Hey, 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 welcome back to In Between the Stitches. I am your host, Brady Wilson. It's been a while, uh, and I'd like to give my reasoning for that right now. The reason it has been, excuse me, that it's been a while because I have not had a computer. And I've had one for about a month, month and a half now, and I've been, you know, packing for college. Now I'm in college. I'm up at the, uh, the University of North Texas in Denton, Texas. Um, moving in, this is my second week technically third week here so you know it took it, take, it, it took a couple weeks to you know get settled in and do all those things so i'm hoping to bring the podcast back since it's you know now week one but i am trying to set up a meeting with knTU if you don't know what that is that is uh, the radio station here at unt my hope is that i can do a show for them maybe work on a show whatever it is if i'm not on the air there even if i am i'm still gonna try and do this if I can't do this and I'm doing stuff on the air there, it's a pro- I'm hoping to transfer my show at least one point to UNT. I like my title. I have a logo. I think it actually. I think in between the stitches works. So okay. the issue is, is trying to figure out: Am I going to be doing it on UNT? Am I doing it here? Or am I, I going to be on both? So we're just we're kind of playing it by ear. I'm kind of seeing what's going to happen. Disclaimer: If you hear any noises. Any anything at all in the background, it's out of my control. There are really uh, ignorant people here. I'm not ignorant, just very kind of rude people on my hall that like to slam their doors uh, because when you when you open the door and you have to close, you have to like manually close it, or else it'll close on its own and at the last like second it'll pick up some speed and it'll slam. So if you hear any of that. Excuse that. I can't help that. I'm not about to go out there and tell everyone to please, you know, shush while I record a podcast episode. That's a good way for people to come and ruin your podcast episode. We have a good one for you here today. Is it, it is now officially week one of the NFL season. I am very excited for this. Um, I, I it, it is kind of perfectly timed that I'm getting in a place where I can do a podcast again, and week one starting to kind of bring in some college football. Um. First of all, I'm not talking NBA right now or NHL. This is strictly going to be some, a little bit of baseball. But because this is like football week right now, I am in football mode. Sorry to my baseball listeners or listener. Hi, Dad. It You're not going to get much baseball in this episode because I have been so geared towards football for the past week that I have sort of lost track of what's kind of going on in the MLB. Um, one big piece of news about my team. As you know, I'm also making a slight change to the podcast format, and this is sort of, I'm going to be transitioning to some more focus on the Cowboys and the Rangers, seeing as how most of my listeners are friends and family of mine, that, that that's their team, is it, it, it is my team, and so I will be making a heavy focus on those teams, and you know, DFW Sports as a whole, and then I will be obviously still doing the world of pro sports, but when it comes to the NBA, unless something game-breaking happens, it's pretty much going to be strictly Mavericks. Same thing with NHL and the Dallas Stars. But, you know, like like today for the NFL, I'm giving you my quarterback rankings, power rankings, uh, season predictions, and week one predictions. I'm going to be doing some college football stuff because I was able to watch some games this weekend. And a couple Rangers things. Again, I need to get back into baseball because I have been in football mode for about two weeks, week and a half. So I, I I will offer a disclaimer there that I have not been keeping up with my uh w- w- with my baseball. To go to college football, 
first. I think we're going to start off with that. This is something I haven't done yet, but I'm excited to do because, well, for the first year, I'm going to hopefully be able to watch a bunch of games. And it was a great weekend, too, and it reminded me why I need to watch college football because it was some pretty fun games. You had, um, uh, what was it? Not Friday night. Thursday night was Pitt, West Virginia. That was a great game. Uh, oh, what is that one? The Backyard Brawl. I think, yeah, that, it was a rivalry that hasn't been played because, you know, they moved conferences. Great game. Pitt won 38-31. Same thing with that Penn State-Purdue uh, game. That ended really fun. But the best games, I'm going to kind of flip here, is, and I'm not going to talk about my North Texas being green because we kind of got shellacked by uh, the SNU Mustangs, 48-10. to 10. Uh, In my history class today, the professor was like, so we, I guess we don't have a really good football team, huh? I may have blurted out that, that uh, SMU has two things uh, that we don't have. That is a uh, pretty much better players at almost every position, and they have a, a quarterback. You know, Tanner Mordecai is a good talent. Uh, Texas A&M shellacked Sam Houston State, but, I mean, who, who saw that one coming? Same thing with Michigan and Colorado State. You know, just no interest in watching those because, I mean, come on, Colorado State's fine. I mean, it's a D1 program, but you're going against Michigan, bro. That's not going to end well for you. Um, Georgia, Oregon, I thought would be a lot closer of a game, and uh, the SEC proves once again why they are the SEC and why they are still the big bad bullies of the of, of NCAA football. Um, even in baseball, like Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, they still they dominate in every sport, man. Um, well, maybe not. Maybe, maybe in some you know in some basketball they have some good teams. Uh, Houston UTSA was a great game. It went into like freaking like bunch of overtimes. I'm pretty sure it was. It was a really fun game to watch. I think it went like triple overtime. Um, I was watching that in a drive-through line because I was trying to get home to get back to the house for uh, Ohio State Notre Dame, but I got that Houston UTSA game and man. Uh, Houston has got some pretty good players. I think they're moving to the Big 12. Don't quote me on that one. I think that's where they're moving to eventually, hopefully, for them. And I, I think they can compete. But UTSA, uh, last year they uh, produced an NFL talent, uh, Tariq Woolen, who I fell in love with in the draft process. But they seem to have a pretty good team right now. And I think their quarterback's a senior. I still I saw a film thing on him on one of my uh, YouTube uh, film channels. Oklahoma crushed UTEP. Again, who saw that one coming? Totally would not have predicted that, but I'm trying to get to the USC destroyed Rice, but then against USC, against Rice. Um, Utah-Florida was a great game. Um, I actually had Utah in that game. Florida came out. They came out swinging, man. Uh, I think it's Anthony Richardson. I'm still getting names down, so if I, if I get a name wrong, you know, please excuse me. That, that dude's special. I mean, he looks... He, I was watching him, and... You don't want to throw out. He looks like Lamar Jackson. He looks like you know this guy, but he definitely impressed me as someone who I think if you get him in the right NFL system, that dude could be special. But of course, I'm leaving all of that for draft time. I'm trying to watch college football in the sense that it's football. I'm having fun watching it, but it's hard not to just you know be like, "Ooh, that guy's interesting draft prospect in a year or two, or maybe even this year." Uh, Alabama shut out. You have to say, but now we're to one of the good games: Notre Dame, Ohio State. It was really close until the end. It was one of those they were running. Let's say both teams were running at 15 miles an hour, right? They're both going fast. They're both playing hard. 
But then Notre Ohio State cranked it up a couple notches, and Notre Dame eventually just couldn't hang with them. Um, I mean, I, I had Ohio State winning. If I'd done a podcast episode, you would have known that. But I didn't. Ohio State proved a lot of doubters wrong. Apparently, there were doubters. I didn't know people doubted Ohio State. That kind of surprised me. Uh, C.J. Stroud looked interesting. Uh, he looks like Justin Fields. I don't really see much of a difference with, between him and Fields, which is funny. It also means he's probably gonna be a first-round pick, but we don't know how Fields we don't know how Fields is in the NFL yet. He had one year, and even now, Fields has nothing. He has no O line, which we'll get to the Bears in a second, I'm sure. Um, but it was a great game. Uh, but I I'm gonna have to give I'm gonna do like a game of the week type thing. I'm going to give game of the week to Florida State LSU. I loved Utah, Florida. It was a great game. But that Florida State LSU game, personally, um, one of the dudes I played football with, um, guy who I've known since junior high, uh, Jalen Davis Robinson. He was a three-star ESPN recruit, four-star on rivals. He is a defensive back, mostly a corner, but he can play safety. Committed to LSU, graduated with me, um, we're not like best of you know best buddies, but I I know him. Uh, I feel like I could potentially text him and he might respond. He might not. Probably not. But uh, you know, nickname Smoke, dude I've known for a while. Uh, so it was kind of cool getting to see him in that game. I you know he was number twenty nine. He was on some of the punts. Uh, both muffed both crap both muffed punts. There we go. Both muffed punts. You can see number 29, that's him, coming in on the screen. Um, so shout out to him. Can we see what he does in college football? Dude is lightning quick. But, you know, LSU is kind of defensive back university, so he's probably not going to get much actual, you know, meaningful snaps on the defensive side of the ball. But uh, give him a couple years, I think we'll be calling his name in the NFL real soon in, a, you know, three or four years. So that's my game of the week is for LSU. I mean, not to get to the game. Uh, it again emphasizes that special teams is important. Um, I felt like both teams played kind of on the same level. I mean, it, I mean, obviously the score is 24-23. Um, I don't think Florida State deserves credit because they should have lost that game. They made one right play, but they made like three wrong ones, and that's a huge problem. You left your tight end, their tight end wide open, and almost let him get out of bounds, but it didn't matter because they kind of just said, screw it, let's let him have a play. Uh, not to mention, you called a toss on the goal line when you're up, but not by that much, and you call a toss. Hand it to your fullback. Quarterback sneak. Halfback dive. A any of these play calls ring a bell to anybody? You try to run a toss. Are you trying to throw the get to fumble the game away? Because you almost did. And I'm sure they're thinking, well, LSU is not going to drive down yards. Yeah, ask Cleveland. Ask them. It, it tell them that a team can't drive what 99, 98 yards. I mean, again, the quarterback was John Elway. But you get what I'm saying is that you can't say, well, it's it's 99 yards. They won't be able to do that. Doesn't matter. Make a good play. It was a horrible play call. LSU deserved to win that game because of their mistakes, and they capitalized on them with a wonderfully executed drive that ultimately the kick got blocked. I mean, you block them better. There's not much you can – the kick got blocked. They made a great play. Um, but now, to get to the MLB real quick, 
On some Rangers news, Rangers are going to call up top prospect uh, Josh Young. He will be coming to the majors Friday. Brad Miller's going to the 10-day uh, aisle with a hip issue. This is per Levi Weaver and per Evan Grant. Um, uh, he's Young is 24. He uh, was the eighth overall pick in 2019 at a Texas Tech third baseman. He's gotten some work at first base. Um, everyone knows what he is. He's kind of one of he's going to be a decent fielder, but we're hearing he's going to be. I I don't want to throw out because Rangers fans. Hope hopefully some of you are listening to this. Hear me, uh, hear me on this. He's not Adrian Beltre. He's not Michael Young. He's a top prospect. Yes, his I've got his uh, MLB.com grades. Uh, hit sixty, power fifty five. It's on a twenty to eighty scale, by the way. Uh, hit uh, hit sixty. Uh, yeah, it's hitting for average. Uh, power is fifty five. Running is forty. Arm is fifty five. Fielding is fifty. Overall, he's a fifty five overall prospect. Um, so obviously his tools plus hitting plus power. Not a great runner, but, I mean, you're not asking. We got speedsters. Bubba Thompson, Larry Tavares, Dos Garcia, Marcus Simeon are all guys that are going to steal a lot of bases. Um, his arm's a 55, so he's got the arm to play third base. Um, his fielding's a 50, so, I mean, it's you're not going to probably see Josh Young gold glove winner maybe once or twice. That's, I mean, hell, Michael Young won a gold glove, so I can't this guy. But I'm just saying that it's you're, – you're, don't expect him to come in and be Adrian Beltre hit – 330 with 30 home runs and 100 It's He's not Beltre. I, I love player comps. You can ask people who know me and know my takes on sports. I love player comps, but not because I'm saying this guy is going to be the next this guy because I like being able to go He pl- it's style of play. He plays like this guy. Josh Young kind of plays like Michael Young. Not the best defender, but he's so good with his bat. You forget that he's not good defensively. Same thing with he, – he's not going to lose you games in defense, but his, his defense is not going to be something you go – you're not going to be saying, wow, he's a great defender. Um, if And that's something that we're doing – that will be something that we're doing with Nathaniel Lowe if he can just get his defense a little bit up. If he can get zero defensive runs saved, just zero, get to average with that bat that he's producing right now, You've got yourself your first baseman when you win the, when you win your World Series uh, this decade. But as I'm talking with the Rangers, we're up two nothing on the Astros. Yes, sir. Um, young six two two fourteen twenty four. Like I said, twenty four is bats right. They're always right. I mean, he's not gonna come in. Rangers fans, again, listen to me, please. He's not gonna probably come in and be Juan Soto. I just one thing that, and my dad's probably listening to me going, you know, yeah, Brave. We talk about this all the time because it's true. Rangers fans seem to have this thing where if a guy comes in and doesn't just completely destroy everybody he faces, well, he's a bust. Nelson Cruz was 29 when he finally hit his break. Josh Hamilton looked good with the Reds, but he came to us and was an MVP. You cannot say baseball is a game of development. In football, in one or two years, you can see what you got. After two seasons, you can pretty much see what you got. As long as you got the guy in the right scheme, the right... I don't want to say as long as he's in a good situation, not a great one. You don't have to be, but as long as you're not in the completely just wrong scheme in football, you're going to be able to see what you got in a player after two or three years. In baseball, it may take four or five before a guy finally hits his stride, whether it was a mental issue, whether it was a hole in his swing, whatever the case may be. You know, there's so many things you could probably say he's not making enough hard contact. He's not doing this. He's not getting enough launch angle on the ball. 
whatever the case may be, you can't expect a guy to come in and he is going to be, you know, a Hall of Famer the second he steps on a field. That's not how sports works. It's not how baseball works. And if you know anything about baseball, you should know that. Don't expect Josh Owen to come in and have a 20-game hit streak. He hits 10 home runs. He hits you know, 15 home runs and just completely destroys. No. This is to get him. This is to give him some big league at bats at the end of the year. If he sucks, then you have the positive on that is now you you can see okay this is what he's got to work on in the off season. He's not trying to work on it mid year. He has a whole winter to work on it coming to spring training. If he hits really well, then you can see okay here's what you do really well. Here's how teams might adjust to you. Let's make let's go ahead and make that adjustment now because something that happened to Adolis Garcia last year was he got on a tear. Teams figured out, oh, he can't. I don't know what the problem with him was. Maybe I'm, if I'm guessing here, it's probably going to be he swung too much. Seeing as how to Dos Garcia, they went, oh, if you throw this, he's going to suck. And and it worked, and he couldn't. Uh, Garcia couldn't adjust. Garcia has been able to adjust this year to the adjustment, and he's adjusted mid year and has had really good streaks. So don't expect Young to come in and be look like you know hit three fifty. It might not happen. He may come in and hit 350. He may come in and hit 150. Whatever it is, I want to see him get some big league at bats. That that's all that matters right now because if he does good, and plus now he's got confidence if he does good. If he doesn't, you're at a point in the year right now where I mean, I think we went we went on a little run there when Beasley got started, and we thought maybe if you know changing the manager, there's still that sliver of hope that we could get in the playoffs. After this nine game losing streak, that squandered. There's no hope to play meaningful baseball past this month. You're it, it it it's done. Bring him up. You know I think fans were well. Why have we brought him up? I want to tell everybody that was clamoring for him to be out two weeks ago. The dude had a shoulder injury, which for hitters can be really weird, and for third baseman, you know, throwing, fielding. And he did it lifting weights, which can be even weirder because it could be some there could be some structure damage, I'd feel like, with uh lifting. So I want everyone to understand that he was doing a rehab assignment and they wanted to make sure he was ready. Chris Young has preached this philosophy of we are not going to rush guys. They're not as much as we want to see Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker in Arlington, much as I want to see them on our opening day roster next year or twenty twenty four. That's probably not realistic. You'll probably see Leiter if he tears up wherever he is next year, maybe. But realistically, he's your opening. He's op- he's opening day player, twenty twenty four. Rocker is mid year, twenty twenty four, starting twenty twenty five. You, I, I am all for the do not rush them. I have waited since 2017. 2016 was the last year we we saw a winning ball club in Arlington. I will wait. If if they if, if if a genie came down and said, Hey, look, I know you want to see these all these exciting young guys in Arlington right now, but if you wait a couple more years and then you bring them up and they're ready, then you'll be it, it'll mean a lot more because you don't want to bring up a guy like Leiter, who if you watched any of his starts at Vanderbilt like I did, and same thing with Rocker, both of them pitch with a humongous I'll say ego, but like that Pedro Martinez esque confidence. Something you have to have. If you bring them up and they get shelled, that could lead to some really bad breaks in their development. 
these guys pitch with a lot of confidence. One thing that is in their arsenal besides their fastballs and all this is their confidence, their presence on the mound. You know, you hear that all the time. Something that a lot of Vanderbilt guys have is that mindset that I am better than you and I'm going to dominate you. You bring them up and they both get shelled too early, that confidence could go in the gutter. And now that thing that made them special is gone. And building it back up is tough. I will wait. Rangers fans, be patient. They've been saying 2023. It's probably more like 2024. 2023, next year could, I mean, we could make a big turnaround. The offseason is going to mean a lot. You bring in some pitching. I'm not saying Martin Perez. He's been good this year. But is it just me, or does it feel like we lose his starts? I, is, is it just me? Like, I'm willing to bring him back because the numbers say he could sustain this. You're locked in with John Gray. Dane Dunning has had some nice starts, and I think he's developing nicely. Give him another year. You know, last year he was still re- he was still kind of ramping up from Tommy John for Tommy John. This year he's had a better year, but it feels like he gives up two or three runs. He gives up three or four runs. We get two, and we lose five to two. Dunning gives up four in six innings, which is not a horrible start, not a great one, but from from a guy like that could be your fifth starter. Going six, seven innings, giving up three to five runs in those innings. I mean, it's not horrible if you have a game, if you have a great offense, which I think we have. This next season, Seager, I think, you know, if they are able to make some adjustments to the shift, Seager will be hitting 280, 290, maybe even 300 with this, with maybe 30 home run power like he has right now. That's going to be fun. Simeon, um, one thing I think I heard, it was a Jared Sandler. Uh, no, I think it was on 105.3, I think it was on GBAG. It was somewhere I heard them talking about how Simeon could have been it, part of the reason he had that slump was, you know, he was a part of the, and something that you can ask my dad. I was bringing, I brought up with him sometime in like April. I said, hey, look, he was a part of the negotiations for the MLB Player Association. He was one of the eight, you know, ambassadors. Well, when he's focused on that, right, they had so many late nights. Is it possible to think he didn't get his as much work as he wanted to, you know, in the batting cages and on the field? He didn't get that work he normally would have gotten, but because of the lockout and he was negotiating, not practicing, that he started out so slowly. Because now he's he's one of the best hitters, one of the better hitters in baseball since May, since that doubleheader in Cleveland. Sorry, that's people in my hall. He's one of the better starters, so I'm, I'm feeling like if you can get Simeon to have a full offseason, no distractions, he starts build, him and Seager start building that winning culture of, hey, no distractions, we're, go, we're, we're focused, that could be, you're looking at a team that's starting to really build something in Arlington. Garcia and Lowe look to be long-term pieces. This year was kind of a, prove it, I know you're only in your second year, but we've got a lot of young guys, like Evan Carter, Aaron Zavala, Luis Angel Acuna. They're knocking at the door in two years. You need to prove to us or start proving that you can be a long-term piece for us. Because if you can't prove that, you're out the door. We're, we're going to trade you while your value is still high. I think Lowe has proved it. I think he just needs to get with his. He needs, he needs to get more defense. He needs to figure out some some uh, some stuff there. But I think he will. He seems to figure out the offense. Why not defense? And then Garcia. Look, people are going to complain. His whiff rate's going to be high. He is not going to become a walk machine like Gallo became eventually, kind of. Garcia is going to swing and miss. 
but you put him at number five, number you know, you, he doesn't have to be your primary RBI man. You put him in the middle of your order. He's gonna steal twenty bases. He's gonna hit twenty. He's probably gonna push thirty thirty. At least he's gonna definitely probably get twenty twenty the next several the next couple years, and he could he's probably gonna push thirty thirty if not get it this year. He plays great defense. He's got an excellent arm. You don't want to run on him. Um, and when he does make contact, it goes a long way. So you have to understand that yeah, he's gonna strike out a lot, but he's also gonna probably hit thirty home runs. Yeah. You'll take that as long as you can tell me he'll sustain the thirty home runs, twenty five thirty home runs, and the fact that he seems to have that clutch gene, he seems to come up in big moments. Keep him. I'm not saying lock him in as your starting everyday right fielder in Game One of the World Series in four years, five years. All I'm saying is he's controllable, and unless a team gives you, I mean, a absolutely out of the water offer for him, keep him. If so, if if the let's say the Marlins something I would do the Marlins I don't they wouldn't do this but I'm just spitballing here said hey we want Adolis Garcia and I'm gonna throw out a random top thirty pitcher for us Zach Kent he's at Double A right now I believe and you those two guys for Pablo Lopez do it I love Garcia he's great he brings that. The one thing he does, and I think the only reason I would never trade him, and that he he provides one thing that a lot of guys on that team I feel like don't. He's outspoken. He reminds me of Kinsler in that way. If he, I, I went to the Hall of Fame speech, and uh, Kinsler was one of, is probably my favorite Ranger of all time. He is my favorite Ranger of all time. Grew up loving him. At the Hall of Fame speech, you know, Michael Young was talking about how he was the grit and the moxie of that of those teams, of those 2010-2011 teams. He brought the confidence. He brought the arrogance. He brought the, we're going to come in, kick your butt, and, you know, we're, we're, we're going to win. He brought that attitude. And Garcia brings that. You got to have a guy. He was the engine. He was the, we go with, with Ian Kinsler. He was the lightning rod in the clubhouse. You got to have a guy like that. If you don't have a guy like that in your clubhouse, Simeon seems to be more of a quiet veteran. Same thing with Seeger. Fine. But Garcia can be that. Let's go kick their butt. I try to remain family friendly on here, but uh, eh, let's go kick their ass. Sorry if you're hearing that, but yeah, you know, let's go do that. He brings that to the Rangers clubhouse to the team. I will not be cussing on a regular basis for anyone going. Oh, okay, I promise. Just okay. <laughs> Last bit about the Rangers here. You just got to get some pitching. John Gray, if not for injuries this year, would have probably turned in a pretty solid year. You got to go. I'm willing to give Lenato another chance. I said willing. I think Hearn has found his kind of Alexio Gondo role, kind of being a long man, swing man in the bullpen. Um, I try to bring Matt Moore back if you could uh, on a one or two year deal on the cheap. You know, he's been a reliable arm for you. Dennis Santana just ran out of gas, and his hit. What happened with him is why you don't want to rush pitchers. That he's a great example of that. He was lights out. He seemed to have great confidence, and then July hit, and Woodward used him so much that his arm was tired. He was fatigued, and he got hit. He got hit hard, and from that, his con- he just didn't seem to have that same presence on the mound. Um. 
And so I think the Mariners have a good outlook next year. Um, playoff predictions for baseball will be coming, you know, when season ends, so in about a month, roughly. Um, and I'll also be doing, you know, who I think the MVP is, <clears throat> Aaron Judge. Um, who I think, you know, Cy Young is probably going to be Verlander. Um, and, and Alcantara from, uh, but that is for a different day. Right now, we look at the standings really quickly in the MLB. Houston leads 10.5 in the West, pretty much locked up unless Seattle goes on another freaking run. Cleveland up two in the Central. I think Minnesota could catch them. White Sox are only two and a half back. Then you got the Royals and the Tigers kind of sucking. Yankees up five in the East. The Rays could catch them. I don't think Baltimore's catching them at all. I don't think Toronto's going to catch them. I think Tampa Bay could, but I think the Yankees, as long as they just don't keep plummeting, they, they seem to be riding the ship a little bit. If they don't sink again, I think they'll be fine have the division locked up. The NL West, you got some good teams, but the Dodgers are just the Dodgers. They're already at 94 wins. I mean, just this is one of the best teams I've ever seen in my life. Um, they're up 19 and a half of the Padres. The Padres would be, unless it's, yeah, but anyway. The East is going to be really fun because you got two rivals, the Braves, Mets. That rivalry is starting to come to the forefront of the media. You know, we always talk about, you know, Cardinals, Cubs, Red Sox, Yankees, Dodgers, Giants, you know, but you don't really hear much about this rivalry. And it's starting to get fun because you've got two teams, both have a lot of confidence, both have a lot of, you know, bombastic players that, you know, a humongous market in New York, but a historically underperforming team, and then the defending champions. I, this is going to be a fun race. Who I think is going to win? Atlanta is the hot hand right now. I think the Mets are probably the better team. With DeGrom and Scherzer healthy, the Mets are the better team. I don't think there's really a debate because that pitching staff dwarfs the Braves. I'm sorry. I love Strider, Wright. You know, all those guys are great. Scherzer and DeGrom are both Hall of Fame talents. They're both two of the greatest. They may be the two greatest pitchers. Of my generation, they're the two. They're probably the two greatest pitchers, except for Verlander and Kershaw. They're two of the five of my top five pitchers I've ever seen with my own two eyes. These two guys are two of the top five in that. In that, probably two of the top four, maybe two of the top three, depending on how you rank guys. They are two Hall of Fame talents. That is going to be tough to beat in the playoffs. Right now, you you can face their four and five starters. But in the playoffs, you've got those two guys at the top, and if you somehow get through one or two of them, you got Taiwan Walker, Chris Bassett, and Carlos Carrasco behind them. So even their fifth starter is still a good starter. You're, this, is what a, a play, this is what a playoff team looks like. I hope the NLCS is one of two combinations, Dodgers-Padres or Braves—I hope it's Braves-Mets. If that's the NLCS, that, that'll be a fun—it's probably going to go seven, and I hope it does. I never have said we should you should rig a sports game, but if there was ever a time to rig a sports game, it'd be rigging those games to make sure that goes seven. Because if baseball was to right, is football is ramping up, but if the Braves Mets become like the the sorry the rivalry to watch, that could be great for baseball to get some humongous national attention. If that doesn't get attention, something's wrong in America because you've got two great two of the best teams in the league duking it out. If those are not the NLCS teams, because it'll probably be the Dodgers in one of those two teams, that's still very entertaining. The NL, 
probably was going to win the World's going to win the World Series because I think the Dodgers, Braves, and Mets are probably the three best teams in the league. Maybe the Yankees haven't been playing like it. The Astros are the Astros, but still two of the better teams in the league. Anyway, now on to football. We're about 32 minutes in here, so now I'm going to change to football here. The baseball away. So hopefully you sat through that. If you didn't, um, welcome to the NFL portion of this show. We're going to start out. I have several things that I want to discuss. Um, less than 24 hours officially now from kickoff. Bills, Rams tomorrow. That's going to be awesome. I am super excited. It's two of the best teams in the league. Probably the two best teams in the league. Duking it out. First game. This is the first game. It's what it's supposed to look like. Last year was Cowboys Bucks. It was still a great game. Um, so I'm excited to see what happens this year with this game. Uh, Rodgers and Stafford uh, duking it out. I think that'll be uh, interesting. So we're going to... I have my quarterback rankings, because everyone wants to see quarterback rankings. Power rankings. Uh, where I think each team's going to finish in the division. And week one, week one stuff. Where should we start? Um, I'm asking, like, you guys can respond. I think we're going to start with... The quarterbacks. It's kind of... Alright. Disclaimer. This is my personal beliefs. Okay? If you don't like it, don't click on my podcast. Then if you don't want to hear my opinions. Top 32. This is projected week one starters. No Deshaun Watson. No Kenny Pickett. None of that. No Desmond Ritter. Because I'm pretty sure it's Mariota. If I'm not mistaken. If I'm mistaken, I'm mistaken. But... I am almost certain that it's Marcus Mariota being the starting quarterback. At number, we're going to go 32 to 1, kind of like I'm doing the power rankings. At 32, Davis Mills, Texans. Uh, can I ask my roommate, uh, Seth, my you know, best friend? Uh, I hate Davis Mills. Oh, I hate, hate the strong word. Strongly dislike him. I think he's a horrible quarterback. I think he has, he barely has, I think he has some business being a backup, but not a starter. Um, I didn't like him coming out of college. I don't like him. In, I don't like him now. I don't like where he was drafted. It was bad, wrong decision. I think he's the worst quarterback in the league. At number thirty-one, Geno Smith, kind of the quintessential backup quarterback. What one looks like? You plug him in for two or three games, maybe your quarterback goes down. He gives you a chance to win. Week one starter. Ask Jets fans what that's like. It's not pretty. Number thirty is Marcus Mariota. He's so low. At one point, he looked like he could develop into a solid QB. Now, I think he's just a... Eh. I mean, he was used as a gadget quarterback with the Braiders. He hasn't started a game in a while. I don't believe... I don't like him with the Falcons. I just think that Falcons team is about to be horrible, as we'll talk about. 29 is Jacoby Brissett. I get it. Brissett is not a bad quarterback, but he's not a good one. He's a below average one, obviously, I believe. Um, I just don't believe he's better than any of the next guys. 28, Zach Wilson. Um, which is kind of funny because I said week one projected starters, but week one is Joe Flacco. But you – now I have to defend myself because I forgot I did this. Because it didn't look – in my defense, it looked like he was probably going to start. Because then the injury looked like he might start. Anyway, whatever it is, I still think Flacco 
if I was to do this, I would probably flip Brissette to 28 and Flacco to 29. Okay? So, there. I kind of covered my butt. But to go to Zach Wilson, I think he's an eh quarterback. He's still developing, though. One year, it's with the it, he's on the Jets. I mean, they could have drafted Joe Burrow. He'd have been wasted. It's the Jets. I, I it, it, there's, there's no hope. I'm sorry, Jets fans. You got Sauce Gardner. He's probably the next Ravis. You got Jermaine Johnson. He'll be terrorizing the the AFC East for a while. And Reese Hall is great. It's good. He's great. He's great running back. Yeah, I think I like Robert Sala as your coach, but I just don't think Zach Wilson is the quarterback. Man, he just—it's uh, the—it's the Jets. So I need to say, twenty-seven is Daniel Jones. From what I've seen with him playing my Cowboys, I have yet to be impressed by anything this man has done in the league. Um, he does some—he has had some throws that make you go, "That's not bad." Then he has some throws that make you go. I've seen better throws in an intramural flag football game. That's sad. It, it just it, it, he's so inconsistent with that. His turnovers. I think he's a terrible quarterback. Um, and to give some to give him some leeway, I don't know if he's been in the correct system. I mean, Joe Judge was his head coach, so give him some give him some slack there. He could prove me wrong. Dable could be. I mean, Dable kind of helped Josh Allen along. So maybe this is the guy to help Daniel Jones along. But so far, based as is, and remember, this is not a projection. If I was doing it projectingly, Jones would be a little bit higher on this list. But this is not a projection. This is a based off what they've done so far, either in slash in their career slash last season. Mostly used last season as the basis for these rankings. Trey Lance is at twenty six. When I have seen him play. You see that arm talent you saw at North Dakota State. He looks like he could be a franchise quarterback. I'm putting him ahead of these guys because I think he's already better than them. But I have a little asterisk. He's probably not the best quarterback on his team right now, but it's because we haven't seen him. Like I'm giving him some leeway. I mean, Garoppolo was number 12 in the league in yards last year. He had a good season last year. It wasn't horrible. But Trey Lance is the, is the man for the future. I'm not saying that he's a bad quarterback. I'm just saying we haven't seen enough for me to go any higher. Next is Jared Goff. Uh, or I heard Tom Downey on Cowboys Report say Jared Goof. Um, I thought that was pretty funny. He is uh, nowhere near being a good quarterback. Last year he was 20th in the league in yards, 19 touchdowns, 8 interceptions isn't horrible. 67.2 um, uh, completion percentage, just not a good quarterback. I mean, it's on the Lions. He's where careers go to die. Seems I love Dan Campbell, but um, again, my best friend. He, he he's a Patriots fan, so I've learned a lot about the Patriots dynasty from him because you know he's read a lot of books and seen this and that. One thing he's told me was about that Super Bowl. One thing I actually didn't know. I guess it was more common knowledge than I had than I knew about it. Um, that during that game, the reason they were able to stop that offense was McVay was telling Goff the plays. And I'm sure this is nothing new to some of my listeners. I didn't know about that. He was telling him the plays. Hey, they're running, you know, cover two. You know, they're running, hey, they're running cover one, robber. So hit, uh, who was one of the receivers? Hit Woods on the seam. I don't know. Whatever. Hit the running back in the flats. He was telling him what to do. He's giving him instructions. And so what Bill figured out, and again, Bill Belichick's great, great coach of all time, said, oh. 
That's what they're doing. So I'm running out just a defense. And then when they get to the line, we're going to change it. And Goff's going to, you know, because they have that, what, that 15-second cutoff. After that 15-second cutoff where McVay can't talk to Goff, I'm changing the defense. It's going to look completely different. Now, Goff's going to have to read it, and he hasn't done that. So he's looking at McVay probably like, what the frick, what the blank do I do? And that's how they start that offense. So I don't think he's a good quarterback. But once I heard that, I said, yeah, he does not deserve to be a, labeled as a good quarterback. Tua Tonga Wailoa is at 24. I have seen nothing that impresses me. Um, Seth has seen nothing that impresses him, and he's a quarterback guy. So I'm putting him at 24 because I just haven't seen enough to say this is this is a guy who needs to. How bad was he last year? How many games did he start? He started 13 games. Ladies and gentlemen, he started 13 games last season. He was 7-5. and five. 26-53 in yards, 2,653 yards, 16 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. That's horrible. Yeah. Yikes. I, I haven't looked at the stats in a couple of days since I've done this. Uh, 2022 is Justin Fields. The Bears, poverty franchise at this point. Want to see the development. I still think he can be a good quarterback in the league. But I need to see more development from him. And, of course, they're not doing him any favors. He has no offensive line. Uh, Darnell Mooney is his only receiver. Uh, David Montgomery is a decent running back. But uh, I just have I, – I, the Bears hope they have a plan or else they just wasted, uh, what, two first-round picks on him because they had traded up. Uh, 21's Carson Wentz. I can't stand him. I still laugh that people put him in the same conversation – as Dak Prescott at one point in his career. It makes me laugh. I mean, you look at his touchdown-to-pick ratio. What's that? 27 TDs. Seven picks. That's pretty good. Pretty good. He was 18th in yards. And, he, and here's the kicker. His completion percentage was 62.4%. Taylor Heineke had a better completion percentage. Who else? Who else had a better completion percentage? Teddy Bridgewater had a better completion percentage than him. We go to this here. I'm using Pro Football Reference uh, from my source here. Um, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? In completion percentage, Carson Wentz ranks 27th. Here are some quarterbacks that are ahead of him. Jacoby Brissett. Andy Dalton. Wow, Josh Allen's completion percentage that year was really low. Last year was really low. 63.3%. Daniel Jones had a higher completion percentage than Wentz. Wentz sucks. That that's Davis Mills had a higher completion percentage than him. This this dude's horrible. And now he's with Washington, uh, a horrible franchise. They have no sense of direction. They he has some weapons. Um, you know, scary Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, uh, first round pick Jahan Dotson, Antonio Gibson, J D McKissick. Eh, offense. What Brandon Sheriff left right in in free agency? Pretty sure. I could be wrong about that, but uh, offensive line is okay. Even with him, it's still okay, so it's not bad. Without him, it is kind of bad. Ch we could going to be without Chase Young for a little while, it sounds like. Maybe their defense was supposed to be great, and it kind of sucks. So, uh, yeah, they're in the top 20. Mr. Trubisky's at 20. Um, you lose you, you Juju Smith-Schuster, number one weapon, but you, you have George Pickens, so I think he could be a number one receiver if he doesn't get fined every you know snap. 
Um, but I still think Trubisky was wronged in Chicago. I'm still willing to say he has a chance in the league as a good quarterback. Let's see if I'm right. Jameis Winston's at 19. I think, you know, he had that eye surgery, right? And uh, he looked really good. And he believed it towards ACL and had that injury. Whatever it was, I know it was an injury. I think it was towards ACL. And he was out for the season. And he was looking really, really good. So I'm putting him at 19 because I think he has a chance to be very, very good this year. You'll hear that when I talk about the Saints. I want to kind of shorten this up a little bit because um, stop, stop talking about the team. Jalen Hurts have seen nothing that impresses me about Hurts yet, really. Um, I don't know why Eagles fans are saying he's a good quarterback. I have seen nothing that shows me he is a good quarterback in the NFL. Um, Ryan Tannehill's next at 17, kind of the same thing. He does his job. Some some advanced numbers say he's been really good. I'm willing to say he's been pretty good. Uh, in completion percentage terms, last year he was 11th, which ranked ahead of guys like Matt Ryan, Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen. So I, I still think he's a good quarterback. To kind of do a disclaimer before I get, because that was the bottom 16, okay? There are still, there are good quarterbacks going up to number 20. I think the 21 through 32 are all kind of eh, either haven't seen enough to say he's this, still developing, yeah, it's kind of A and B right there, or they just flat out suck. Once you get to Trubisky at number 20 for me, you start to get some good quarterbacks. The reason Hurts is above those guys is he can run. And Winston can kind of run, but with ACL, maybe not. Trubisky, eh. But Hurts can run, so I'll give him some credit there. At 16, I got Mac. Uh, Mac Jones, want to see his development in year two. The problem with him is projecting a little bit Hurts' rankings because of the fact that they have no offensive coordinator. It's Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. Yeah, that screams offensive, what, reliability? No. Yeah, that's a word. I don't know why I didn't think it was at first. You have no offensive coaching staff, or at least not a structured one. I don't like Mac Jones' situation. I don't. 15, I got Baker Mayfield. I think the shoulder injury, he's going to prove that he may move up in the rankings. But for right now, he stays at uh, 15. Kirk Cousins is at 14. I think with Thielen and Jefferson, and I think Gregor can be a weapon, but as long as he, when he's not being relied upon to be a to be a number one contributor like he kind of was in Philly. Plus, he's out of the hellhole that is Philadelphia. Um, yes, I said that. I don't care. Philadelphia is a hell is a hellhole. Uh, Baker Mayfield. Hold on. Baker Mayfield is a. Uh, Good quarterback still. I mean, sorry, Cousins. I had a, a brain fart. 13's Matt Ryan. I think he's going to be good with the Colts. 12 is Russell Wilson. 11 is Derek Carr. Now we get to the top 10. Number 10, I got Matthew Stafford, the reigning Super Bowl champ. Number 9, Kyler Murray. Number 8, Lamar Jackson. Kind of making this quick because I have much more to talk about, and I have to get somewhere in a little while. And I'm already 47 minutes in, so I'm trying to make this quick. Uh, number seven is my man Dak Prescott. Number six, the reason Prescott's at seven is I couldn't bring myself to put it up against any of the other next six. Burrow's at six. Brady's at five. Herbert's at four. Mahomes is at three. Allen's at two. And, of course, Aaron Rodgers. In my opinion, the most talented quarterback to ever grace a football field. Talent. Brady's the GOAT. Rodgers, talent-wise, 
it, the dude's on a different level. I think Mahomes and Allen could overtake him for that title. I think Allen could definitely, but for right now, it's still Rodgers. Woo! Kind of blew through that one. Okay, now we're going to get to power rankings. Unfortunately, I'm not going to have time to explain why I like the team right now. I'll explain that when I explain their records. I'm just going to go from 32 to 1. You guys can count. I'm not going to say number 32 this. So I'm going to kind of take some time here. So from 32 to 1. The Houston Texans, just a horrible team. Uh, it's the Seahawks, then the Falcons, Bears, Commanders, Jets, Giants, Lions, Jaguars, Panthers, Steelers, Browns, Raiders, Dolphins, Titans, and the Patriots. So the Patriots are at 17, back down to 32, the Texans. That's the back half. To kind of recap that back half, I'm not saying that those teams are bad teams. From the Patriots through Pittsburgh, even, 22. There's some good teams. This, there's a lot of talent in the NFL right now. I put the Raiders at 20. I'm sorry. I just think that you have a lot of talent on these football teams. So trying to rank them is tough because when you, when, you know, when, when you hear Raiders are at 20, you think, excuse me, you think, wow, they suck. You don't think, wow, maybe there's a lot of talent. Now to the, the, the front half. 16 to 11 here. Uh, the Saints, 49ers, Vikings, Broncos, Colts, and the Eagles. Eagles just missed the top 10 for me. Now the top 10. The Cardinals, my Dallas, holy crap, I almost had a uh, voice crack there. My Dallas Cowboys, America's team. Uh, Baltimore Ravens, the Buccaneers, the Packers, Chiefs, Chargers, Bengals, Bills, and then the Super Bowl champions will always be number one in my rankings unless they just dismantle their entire team. It is the Rams at number one. Now to move to my division rankings. Because we're going to kind of talk about the teams. Uh, the AFC first. AFC East. I got the Bills winning it. They're, I have them going 15-2. and two. Um, And remember, these rank, I'm kind of saying this is what I think their record should be. I didn't go game by game. That'll be throughout the year. I'm just kind of saying this team could win 15 games and only lose two. Uh, they're second-best team in football. I mean, it, it is just a great team all around. There's really no deficiencies. We've got the Patriots in second place at 10-7. and seven. Um, It's still Bill Belichick, and I'm not going to count him out. 9-8, and eight, Dolphins in third. Uh, two at Tonga Baloa as their quarterback. I don't think they really have a defensive identity right now. They have good secondary, but I think their front seven uh, is kind of weak. Um, and then at 6 and 11, the Jets improved this year, but I think you either find a new quarterback next year or you hopefully see development in Zach Wilson. Of in that division, I think only the Bills make the playoffs, by the way. I think the Patriots miss out because I think there's too much talent in the AFC for them to make it right now. Right now. Um, that's just, I, and I'm sorry to any, my, 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 my friend Isaiah's or, you know, Seth, uh, the, the Patriots fans. I just don't see you guys having a realistic chance in the playoffs. And in, in the NFC, yeah, you probably do. But in the AFC, no. Uh, AFC North, I got the Bengals winning it at 13 and 4. I got the Ravens at 12 and 5. Uh, the Browns at 10 and 7. And then the Steelers at 7. And 10. Um, hold on just one second. Um, 
this division is one of the talented divisions. There's two. The East is kind of a medium division. The South is really weak. The North and the West are... I mean, I could see all four players... If Deshaun Watson was on the Browns, all eight teams in the North and West. Not eight East, but, you know, the, the four and four. They could all... F- Eight of those teams make the playoffs realistically, like talent-wise. But of course, you can't have that in the NFL. Um, of this, in uh, the Bengals, you know, I think they fixed the their offensive line, their main deficiency, returned a lot of defensive players. Um, the Ravens, they set up Lamar. Yeah, it's a contract situation. I think that's why they don't win first. The contract maybe overshadows a little bit. But I think losing Marquise Brown hurts. Um, you get your running backs back. Uh, your defense. I believe it probably got better. I haven't looked at who they acquired. I don't have it in front of me, but I feel like it did. I feel like there's someone I'm missing that they picked up that I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, he, he makes the defense a lot better. The Browns picked up Mark Cooper. I'm, we're not going to talk about that. My Cowboys, you know, screwing up again. It's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. Um, the Browns, uh, with Jacoby Brissett, I still have them going 10 and 7. I've been getting hot when, when Watson gets back. Steelers go 7 and 10 with an unsure quarterback situation. In that division, I have the Bengals and the Ravens making the playoffs. The South weak division: Colts go eleven and six, Titans go nine and eight, Jags go six and eleven, Texans go three and fourteen. In this division, the Colts make the playoffs. I think the Colts have a good defense, a solid offense. Pittman will have a progression year. Matt Ryan will be in a different system. I think for him and Frank Reich will mesh really well. And, and I think him and that team, Jonathan Taylor, obviously being kind of the X factor in that team. I think they're a playoff team. Uh, but no one else. And in the West, the best division in football. The Chargers go 14-3, and winning the division. The Chiefs, 12-5. and The Broncos, 10-7. and And the Raiders, 7-10. and The Raiders only 7-10 and because all three of their teams, I think, are better than them. And their schedule is kind of – they have a tough schedule. And I just think that with McDaniels integrating his system, getting a lot of the Mayock Gruden players out, that will take a little time to kind of wash out – all the stink that was left behind, and now go to a new team. I think Derek Carr can lead them back to the playoffs, but I think they're another year or two away from this happening. I think if they can count on the uh, regression of Russell Wilson to happen over the next couple of years. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on just one second. You have that, uh, His maybe his uh, regression in Wilson, they take over. In this division, I have the Chargers... Chiefs and Broncos, all three making the playoffs. I think the Chargers, obviously, one of the most talented teams in football. The Chiefs, I think losing Tyreek Hill hurts them. They picked up one of my favorite players in the draft, uh, Trent McDuffie from Washington. He's going to be there, probably their number one corner, maybe number two, depending on how uh, Legereus Sneed plays. But I liked McDuffie. He brings a very physical brand of football. Those Washington corners are definitely uh, not to be messed with. Um, and I think they still win 12 games, though. Um and the Broncos, I think with with Wilson, they're a playoff team right now. I think in the next two or three years, you'll see him regress, and pro- probably not. Uh, now to go to the, we're, we're gonna finish off the NFC. So I talk about my Cowboys real quick. Uh, NFC North, <clears throat> excuse me. Packers go twelve and five. Vikings go eleven and six. The Lions go seven and ten, and the Bears go five and twelve. That may be generous. I'm counting on Fields helping them out, and I I like Matt Eberflus. As their head coach, I think he was great with the Colts. And I think he'll be great with the Bears. I think you need to give him and that GM, I think it's Ryan Smith, if I'm not mistaken, give them some time to get their system, get the players they want in that team. And I think you could see some winning uh, some winning football coming out of Chicago. In this division, I have the Packers. And I 
I, I, the Vikings are my dark horse team to like go to Super Bowl. I know that sounds crazy. I like Kirk Cousins as a quarterback. I think he has the weapons. He has an offensive line that's great. Garrett Bradbury and uh, le- you know, they got at left tackle. They got uh, Christian Derisaw. I loved him coming out of Virginia Tech, and he's played very well. And they have uh, another one of my guys, uh, Ed Ingram. He was a guard from LSU. I really liked his his stuff coming out of uh, coming into the draft. He's a rookie. He's probably gonna be. He's, they have him penciled in at right guard right now. I love that for them. I think they have a good old line, Dalvin Cook. Uh, obviously, one of the best, run- one of the better running backs in football. A defense that's kind of young, but still got some veterans like Harrison Smith. Um, and uh, they picked up. Uh, it was uh, Zadarius Smith, right? It's, it's it's one of the Smith dudes from from uh, Green Bay, and he's seething from Green Bay. Apparently, there was some turmoil there. So I have them making the playoffs at eleven and six. Lions and Bears obviously missed, but I think the Lions progress. I think at seven and ten, I think they actually trade up in this next year's draft to get a Stroud or a Bryce Young if they declare. Uh, AFC NFC West, the, te- the the best division probably in the NFC. The Rams go fourteen and three. Uh, they're probably on paper the most talented team in names. Uh, in in names alone, their their O line took some hits. I think Whitworth retiring. I think they you know. They just didn't have the high picks to produce, I think, enough right now. But I think still in name brand players, they're the best. Cardinals, eleven and six. Niners, ten and seven. Seahawks, four and thirteen. Seahawks missed the playoffs, obviously, but I had the 49ers missing the playoffs. I think the Rams, Cardinals go to the playoffs. I think Kingsbury and Murray um really show why they're a great duo. I think Murray silences some people about the you know the the film stuff in his contract. You know it was it was a big meme, but I think it'll he he has that kind of chip now to go. You know what? I'm gonna prove you guys wrong. I don't need this. You know I am a top quarterback in this league. Um, so them and the Rams both make the playoffs. For FC South, an interesting division because the Falcons are going. Uh, they're they're sucking, but uh, Buccaneers thirteen and four, New Orleans Saints ten and seven. Panthers six and eleven, and the Falcons four and thirteen. The Falcons are in tank mode to get a quarterback. I think unless they think Ritter is their guy, which I think he could be. He Ritter is definitely a program kind of quarterback. People are gonna hate me for this. He reminds me of Tom Brady in that sense, not in the way he plays, not in his talent, in the fact that Brady. When I say system QB, I mean that Brady doesn't have the best arm. He's not the most accurate guy in the world. He's accurate. I'm not saying he's not accurate. I mean, last year he was ninth in the league in completion percentage. He's still a very accurate quarterback, but he just plays well. He elevates his guys. He's a leader. He's a leader. He's a film warrior. Ritter is a lot of those things. He's got those intangibles. He's a film warrior. He's a leader. He's a guy that you know you want to rally behind on a football team. And you saw that at Cincinnati. Unfortunately, they got squandered because, I mean, they're going to get to Alabama. What would you expect? But I think you get him in there in the next couple of years, he could be a guy like Brady that – is not the most gifted quarterback talent-wise, but he just plays well. Now Brady, it's just Tom Brady. You know what I mean? He is one of the better, best quarterbacks in the NFL history. I think Ritter developing could become a good quarterback. The Panthers have Baker. I just don't think they have the roster around him right now. I think they need. I just don't think Matt rules the the guy. This is not college. This is you know you're not recruiting. You have salary caps. You have this. You have that. You have restrictions on on how you team build in in recruiting. It's just kind of you know may the best man win in in the NFL. It's you you can't just recruit all the top talent or these guys. You have to draft. It just 
It's not the same. He hasn't adjusted well. They're just kind of a team in limbo right now. The Saints, 10 and 7. I think Winston progresses with them. I think they look good, but I think without Sean Payton, they missed the playoffs. And the Buccaneers, yeah, they lost some players from the line. Godwin's going to be out for a little while, probably, you know, whatever. It's Tom Brady. And I like Todd Bowles. And Leftwich is still their OC. They kept a lot of the same coaches. Arians is still in the building. Don't count them out. It's Tom Brady, bro. I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say Brady's missing the playoffs as we hit the one hour mark. So that's not happening. Now here comes the part where a, maybe a little bit of my bias comes into play. I'm sure you're all groaning because you know I'm a Cowboys fan. The NFC East at five and twelve and fourth, I got the Commanders. At six and eleven, the Giants. I think the Giants had a great draft. Evan Neal and Kyvon Thibodeau are of your there are four there are five main building blocks of building a championship team. The quarterback, the number one receiver, the left tackle, the pass rusher, and the number one corner. I think knowing kind of going off what I think their team looks like, I think they have no one corner yet. I think they're still missing the number one receiver, even though I, I, I do like Kenny Galladay. I just don't know what the hell happened with him. And I do like Kadarius Tony. But in this draft, you picked up two of the building blocks. World-class pass rusher in Kaivon Thibodeau, but I think he's still dealing with that injury that happened on the cut block, if I'm not mistaken. And you got Evan Neal, who I think is—I don't know if they're penciling him at left tackle or right tackle. I can check right now. I'm going to. You may hear some clicking. It's just my mouse. I'm seeing who they who PFF has has penciled in at their starter. It's uh, it's right. It's Andrew Thomas, and he's actually playing like a good tackle. He he played really well last year at left tackle. So maybe he's, if he progresses even more. There's your building block at left tackle and Evan Neal to sure up the right tackle spot. Kyvon Thibodeau, I think he's injured, but they have Leonard Williams. Um, I forgot they have a Dory Jackson. That was a good pickup for them I remember last year. But right now, I just don't see enough for them to say, yeah, they have the you know the, the capacity to be a playoff team right now. But I think they're potentially building something potentially. In second place, I got the Eagles. And I know, I know, hey, 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 I can hear all the people shouting at their phones or their computer. You're listening to this right now. How, Brady, do you have the Eagles in second? Two people. Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni. I'd like to ask every NFL, air quote, area on the little air quoting here, analyst. When did Nick Sirianni become a top head coach? When did head coach become a strength for this team? Their position coaches seem to be fine. But since when did this guy become a guy that's a great coach? Yeah, he's better than Mike McCarthy. Not saying much. But our coaching staff is better than theirs with Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore. Well, uh, Dan Quinn is better than anything they have. Sorry. A uh, little, little biased, but I mean it's Dan Quinn. I love that man. When it comes to the when it comes to Philly, they have a great team. Uh, good running back attack. They got A.J. Brown to pair with Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard. That offensive line looks amazing. Jason Kelsey, you know, and and uh, Lane Johnson manning down their their usual spots with uh, the Landon Dickerson manning down his spot. Mylotta at left tackle, I believe. And, you know, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's a really good O-line. Their defensive line, Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. Um, I think they also got, like, Hassan Reddick. I believe they picked him up in free agency, I believe. Um, yes, I, yeah. You can check right now while I'm talking. And, of course, they got the big boy out of Georgia, Jordan Davis. When they picked him, uh, you should have seen the fear in my eyes because uh, Tyler Biotis can't handle, couldn't handle Vita Vea. 
Jordan Davis will eat him alive. If, and uh, uh, yeah, Montez, Josh Sweat, not Montez, Josh Sweat, and yeah, Hassan Reddick. This is wonderful. They they have just a great team. Darius Slay, James Bradbury, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, Marcus Epps. It's a really good team. But uh, I'm getting really close to the mic here. Guess what? Jalen Hurts is still their quarterback. And I've seen Jalen Hurts play the Cowboys three times. We've kicked his butt all three times. He has yet, and one of those was the 2020 team. You know, the defense that like set NFL records for sucking as a defense. Yeah, we kicked his A-double-S all three times we faced him. And I know this is more of projecting their season. They're still they're a playoff team. They had got they had one of the best off seasons in the league. I don't trust their coach. I don't trust Hertz. Until he can show me he can beat the Dallas Cowboys, I will not put that team above my team. Not happening. I got the Cowboys winning 13 games. The reason being, people are saying, oh, here comes another Cowboys fan saying, it's our year. It's not. Okay. I think the Cowboys ceiling, a successful season for us, is NFC Championship. Is it possible? Yeah, it is, but it's not likely. I wouldn't say we're a number. We're the number. I have us the number nine team in the NFL. Uh, I think that the Packers are better than us. The Rams are better than us. It's two. The Bucks are probably better than us. This week, maybe not, because without Godwin, they're offensive linemen. Cardinals, I'd be willing to put above us. That means we're the fifth team in the NFC. However, how many teams can we beat? We can beat the Cardinals. We can beat the Bucks. I I know Rodgers owns us, but the rest of that team, I think we can beat. The only team I think we would have no chance at in the playoffs would be the Rams. And that'd probably be an NFC championship. I think we have a decent path to an NFC championship this year. But you're going to have to win two playoff games against two really good teams. They, I have not seen that from my team yet. You have got a lot of problems. So now I'm transitioning to my Cowboys stuff here. A little bit. The outlook on the team. This offensive line scares me. Zach Martin doesn't scare me. Terrence Steele doesn't even scare me. You'd think Terrence Steele would be a huge worry for me. But when you have... Uh, uh, I am blanking. Connor McGovern. Thank you. Wow. As your, le- as your left guard. And Tyler Biadish. Uh, that that sucks. I mean, uh, Biadish graded out not horrible by PFF standards last year. But here's the problem. He can't handle a bull rush. And McGovern... Just, it, I'm hoping these two guys progress, but I haven't seen it yet. It's one of those, I, I have not seen it. Thing with England hurts. I haven't seen him do it. You're telling me he can. I need to see it. This offense scares me. Week one, you're going in as your number two receiver being Noah Brown and Dalen Tolbert. That's horrible. Telling your number two receiver is actually by Dalton Schultz, which actually doesn't scare me as much. But Lamb, I think, will have a good day. Pollard and Zeke will feast, I hope. I hope, as long as our line can block. I'm curious. It, there's a lot of question marks. How can the receivers play? Is Tyler Smith going to be good at left tackle, or are we going to be praying that Jason Peters is ready to go week three? How does McGovern look? How does Biotis look? And how does Steele look? Because I've heard from stuff like on 105.3 uh, from Brian Prodis that potentially – if you could get something to where, let's say, Steele is sucking, but Smith is playing pretty good at left tackle. You kick him, try, try and kick him to right tackle and have Smith at right, Martin at right, B. 
Biadagent center. At left guard, you got McGovern, and then at left tackle, Jason Peters. That's a pretty good line. And eventually, maybe even Tyron Smith when he gets back, hopefully, maybe for a playoff run. There's too many question marks on this offense for me to say this is going to be another top offense. Kellen Moore also has to show me he can adjust mid-game. Mid-game. He can adjust. He cannot... Seems to be first couple weeks for the Cowboys. First seven, eight weeks, offense looks awesome. Then teams go, hey, we figured it out. And Kellen Moore thinks, well, it'll, it, 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 it'll keep working. And maybe an injury happens. And Kellen Moore completely, drastically changes his play calling. The defense will be a top 10 defense. I think it could be a top five defense. Trevon Diggs is going to heavily improve this year. Mark my words. Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis are manning down you know, the slot and number two. I like them. Our pass rush, people are saying they have no pass rush. They do not want, They do not know anything about the Cowboys. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, Michael Parsons, those are two world-class pass rushers. Sam Williams from Ole Miss, second-round pick, looks amazing in preseason. Osa and Bohanna did not grade well, but I think both of them are improving. Same thing with uh, Neville Gallimore. Lawrence Armstrong got a contract. He improved a lot last year. You got Anthony Barr coming in on blitzes, potentially. Leighton Vandresh, Jabril Cox being your sideline, sideline, you know, uh, playing, you know, your uh, your linebackers in coverage. Malik Hooker, Jaron Curse. I mean, Donovan Wilson in safety. This team, this defense is deep, has a lot of depth, and doesn't really have deficiencies at, at, at either level. I think 13 and 14, because this, this schedule is bad for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, it's an easy schedule, sorry. Bucks, Bengals, week one and two at home. We'll talk about those to the Bucks in a second. But the Bengals is probably a loss. It's the Bengals. I mean, come on. Then the Giants and the Commanders. That's a, that's two wins. Then he faced the Rams week five. So realistically, at worst, you're two and three. Then you got the Eagles, the Lions, and the Bears. Three wins. Boom, boom, boom. Then you got, bye week, the Packers and Vikings. Two tough teams, but you seem to own the Vikings. Packers seem to own you, unfortunately. Then you got the Giants. That's a win. Texans. Uh, then you got the Colts. Either or. Texans win, Jaguars win, Philadelphia win, Titans probably a win as long as Derek Henry doesn't eat our uh, eat us alive. Commanders win. So I just listed. If we count here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven wins. I think you can beat the Colts. I think you should beat the Vikings. You could beat the Packers. You could beat the Packers, and I think you could beat the Buccaneers. Now on to Week One. I've talked about each team. If you are still here, I would like to say thank you so much for still being here. Um, week one, really quickly. Bills at Rams. I get the Bills. I think I think they just start off. I think it's just the Bills. I think they start off hot against the Rams. Saints-Falcons, obviously the Saints. No explanation needed. Uh, Browns at Panthers. Baker torches his old team out of revenge. Niners at Bears. Niners take that one easily. Uh, Steelers at Bengals. Bengals, same thing. Easily win. Eagles at Lions, easy week one for the Eagles. Uh, Colts at Texans, Colts take that one. Patriots at Dolphins, I'm taking the Patriots. Seems It seems to me that Bill has uh, Tua figured out. Ravens at Jets, got the Ravens. Jaguars at Commanders, I got the Jags. I just think that that defense they beat Wentz last year, they can do it again. And they improved. Giants at Titans, got the Titans. Chiefs at Cardinals, I got the Chiefs. Charger, Raiders at Chargers, I got the Chargers. Packers at Vikings, got the Packers. Buccaneers at Cowboys, I got the Cowboys. People are going to call me crazy. You won't beat them last year, and I think that uh, you know that the Parsons will feast on them missing two offensive linemen. They'll feast on our O-line. I think it'll be whichever O-line 
doesn't play like complete dog crap, probably wins this football game. Because I think Dak can, I think Dak can duel with Tom Brady. I think he can. And then Broncos at Seahawks. I got the Broncos Monday Night Football. So, sorry, this I kind of went quick there, but I start, I got into the Rangers and of course started talking. If you made it this far, an hour and eleven, an hour and almost twelve minutes in, I'd like to say thank you for listening to this the entire way through. I hope my voice was uh, melodic, was was a, a nice sound in your earphones, wherever or you know, however you're listening to this. Thank you for sticking around. This hopefully will become a one to two time a week thing. Um, if not, it'll be every Wednesday podcast episode. Wednesday is the perfect day for football to do it, right before the week. I think this will be perfect time. I will, if I don't, because I, I weekends, I'm going back to my house every weekend right now, so I won't be able to bring all my stuff with me. So right now, I can guarantee you, every Wednesday, every Wednesday night, you will get a podcast episode for, from In Between the Stitches. I have been your host, Brady Wilson. Again, thank you for listening. I hope you come back next week. Uh, share this with your friends. Tell them it is a super long episode, but typically my episodes are an hour or less. I kind of try and live by that. I'm sorry if this was not an hour or less since it was not. Um, but thank you for listening. Uh, hopefully you have a good week of football. Listen, man, last little thing here. I can sit here for an hour and a half, even two hours, and talk f- for hours, again, hours about. But you know what? I think it was uh, Coach Tolson, my, my – uh, my, no, 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 maybe my online coach. Who said, man, we've been doing a lot of talking about what we want to do. It's time to go hit some people and actually prove what we're going to do. And kind of building off that, we've been talking for – I've been thinking about this for weeks, predicting, looking, watching some film maybe. It's time to go hit. It's time to go play some football, man. I'm excited for the weekend. I'll see you guys next Wednesday. And uh, I'm, I'm not good at closing, if you guys can't tell. So I will see you guys. You'll hear from me next Wednesday after this week. See how right I was or how wrong I was. And I'll talk to y'all guys next week. Y'all guys, yes, I am not the best at English at times. And I'm from Texas. So I will talk next week. I'm done talking for now. See y'all later.